This episode of A Gentleman's Cough Law Podcast is sponsored by Phoenix Shaving and Audible.com. You are listening to The Gentleman's Cough Law Podcast. Listener beware. Rise and shine, the liquor store is open. I ain't got time for moping. I best be on my way. Well, I still got time to save my reputation. Time to go day drinking in this dirty little town. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Gentleman's Scoff Law Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Crowder. And with me, as usual, joining from the great white north is... John G. Goodman. Hi. And uh, with me in person is uh, Donovan Fowler. How are you guys doing? I'm doing great. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> I was waiting for our friend from the Great White North, but then I forgot I was supposed to go first. Yeah. No, see, we got to get this call response thing uh, worked out uh, for future well, episodes. One of, one of these days. For we'll future right. episodes. Yeah. Um, well, I forgot to say, I haven't said the tagline of this for a while we have a uh, tagline the pod <laughs> the, for the rebel and the renaissance man your podcast oh, for yeah. the rebel and the renaissance man so uh if you're one of those things or both of those things this mm-hmm. podcast for you um let's start off with a little bit of housekeeping john what are you drinking moosehead lager it's canada's oldest independent brewery Oh, well, well, there you go. Well, we've got kind of a Canadian theme <sighs> here today because uh, both Donovan and I are drinking uh, Providential Ale from Trader Joe's. Um, it is, uh, what do you call it, a Belgian-style uh, beer, um, and it is brewed in, here Providence. we go, clink. Clink. Brewed in, uh, in Chambly, Quebec, uh, John. It's That's actually 15 minutes away. Well, you know, <laughs> do you know, you know the beer fans you moaned. No, you've never seen it around. No. Well, it's made by Unibrew in Quebec, and they make this for Trader Joe's. Um, and side by side in the store, you could see them fans you moaned and Providential Ale, hmm. and this one is half the price, and they're the exact same thing. It even says Unibrew Chambly on the back and has a Unibrew cork on it. So, little uh, little life hack there for you who like fans you moaned. It also Very has nice. a unibrow on the bottle. <laughs> exactly. I bet you guys pay less than do we I. do for the exact same thing, even though it's Probably. brewed 15 minutes away. Probably. <laughs> Probably. And I am smoking, this is the first pipe I ever smoked. This is my Missouri Meerschaum corn cob uh, legend pipe. Mm. Or it might be the Washington cob. I don't know. It's the same shape. Looks a lot like a country gentleman, actually. Yeah. And inside, I am smoking. Uh, it's called One for the Road, and it's from uh, the little tobacco junction uh, tobacco shop in Longview, Texas. And later on on this show, we have Matt Paxton coming on from A&E's Hoarders. Um, I don't know if you guys, have you guys watched uh, Hoarders before? Yeah. Awesome show. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's, 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 a, it's a pretty bleak window sometimes. I'm pretty into, sure. I'm pretty sure my neighbor's a hoarder, so that's yeah, all I need. Yeah. I see. I peek into his apartment every once in a while. He's got newspapers. No, oh, it's always newspapers. Um, but yeah, Matt's a great guy. He's a cleaning expert on hoarders, probably the most popular one. Speaks around the country. Um, and uh, he has his own podcast, which is hilarious, called Five Decisions Away. Um, and he's a great storyteller, so that should be a lot of fun. So uh, what's what's going on in your guys' this week? Well, well, you know, you know, just just doing our things, doing your things. That's yeah. it. 
Keep, right. Keeping busy. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like I feel like the listeners just feel like they're listening to a phone call right now. <laughs> like, what, what was the point of that answer? How was your day, John? Well, good, yeah, good. You know. Oh, yeah. yeah, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Um, um, what the hell are you calling me, John? Oh, <laughs> how'd you get this number? <laughs> yeah, what? What? How was your uh, your day, Darwin? It was it was good. It was a uh, you know it was actually a pretty uh, pleasant day in Hollywood. Not too hot. We've been experiencing some heat recently, as you as you well know. Yeah. It's much hotter up here than it is down there. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, um, it uh, <laughs> is driving down the street today, actually on my way here and uh, had the pleasure of seeing a man undress uh, on the side of the road. Oh, uh, now, to, to, to his credit, I'm pretty sure he was an actor who was getting tr- like uh, getting a uh, change for an audition, <laughs> but, uh, but it was in full view of, of rush hour traffic. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, he, he followed the rules. No eye contact with anybody <laughs> while you're doing it. Just, no just, just try to fumble around as best you can. The legal procedure. <laughs> just eyes forward. That's it. I feel like, uh, the difference between actors and homeless people in LA, there's a very slim, <laughs> you know, dividing line between the two. It's true. It's true. <laughs> Oftentimes they are one and the same. Speaking of undressing. Um, I was at a wedding this past oh, week. I thought we were going to go into Bill Cosby. <laughs> well, we can, I don't know. I'm no, avoiding. I'm, I'm avoiding Bill Cosby Just at the moment. Kidding. But yeah, speaking of undressing, because of the I went rape. to a wedding. I. Uh, <laughs> oh man, I was at a wedding this past week, and um, I just noticed that. I don't know. Maybe I'm an old, an old curmudgeon man, but basically, as soon as a ceremony is done. All these groomsmen and the groom himself just shed their jackets, take off their ties and everything, as if they couldn't, you know, stand being in formal wear for more than 30 minutes in their life. (laughs) It just seems like, like, what's the deal with that? I mean, don't you like, if you've rented a tuxedo and you have this evening where you get to wear it and it's a special occasion where, you know, you rarely, you get maybe a handful of times in your life you get to do this. Why Why is the first reaction of these guys to just, ah, take it all off of me? <laughs> first, first, first two questions. Yeah. How hot was it? It wasn't and, hot. It and wasn't two, hot. what did the bridesmaids do? <laughs> <laughs> well, good point. I, I good think point. it's because it's a rented tux. You don't know who's been in that thing. <laughs> yeah, you, don't, you don't want to stay in that too long. You might catch something. I mean... Knowing how to wear, I don't know, maybe we should talk to Tanner Guzzi about this, but just knowing how to wear formal wear and doing it, you know, with ease and style without, you know, looking like a schlub. I don't know. Like some of these guys had their ties off before the pictures were even taken and they had to put them back on. I'm like, what are you thinking? Like, are you like a a 12 year old? Like, I don't know. It just chaps my ass. Yeah, it's 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 uh, it's sad. (laughs) Just stay in your tux. (laughs) You only have a couple opportunities throughout life to wear one. I don't know. Let's go to another Sir Crowder's restroom review of the week. Oh dear. This week I am reviewing the restroom at Pickwick Bowling Alley again in Burbank. Um, all right, so here we go. <clears throat> 
At first glance, this restroom comes off as outdated and drab, but the aroma of stale cigarettes from a bygone era blended with the scent of deep-fried appetizers just outside the door somehow make it feel like home. Not to mention, the commode handled flushing the Brunswick-sized payload I left behind with ease and minimal embarrassment, giving credence to the old mantra, they just don't make them like they used to. Four stars for this bowling alley restroom. Nice, nice bowling pun, Brunswick. Mm, Brunswick, Brunswick. Um, yeah, so I went, I went bowling uh, this week for the first time in, I don't know how long. Uh, have you guys done that recently? Uh, maybe six years ago. Yeah. Six years ago. I think I, I think I did it like last year. It's actually a fun time. I had a good time doing it, but I realized that all the all my life bowling growing up, I was bowling a lie. And John, maybe you might know what I was talking about. The small balls. The small balls. Um, in I, Canada, I know, I know you like the big balls. <laughs> in Quebec, I guess I looked this up afterwards. Um, they play with smaller balls, and they play with squatter uh, pins. They're like they're they're this shorter sounds, pins with sounds. rubber bumpers around them. They're called duck pins. This sounds like lawn bowling. I know. Ever since I like, I always thought that was bowling, and I remember seeing the little three holes in the cartoon and stuff. And I don't know what I thought. I thought that maybe that was just a Flintstones thing. <laughs> well, welcome to the states. And yeah, so it was the first time where I actually had to use a like a a, a real bowling ball. They have all different weights and finger hole sizes and it was it, it was a little bit stressful finding the, the ball that worked for me i don't know if you've experienced this but uh now it's time to go to some listener mail all right john um we got another itunes review there um uh who's it by all right this one's by z burnout and it's burnout. titled Inspiring Me to Scoff More Laws, especially ones aimed at pipe smokers. Yeah. All oh, right. That's good. These gentlemen scoff laws are the kind of guys you want to get to know. The di- Oh my God, I can't fucking read. All right, John. <laughs> Retake that one. Take 22. Do you know what um, I do at work? I change all my fonts to Courier New. You are an old man. <laughs> You feel more comfortable with the typewriter font. (laughs) (laughs) All right, here we go. These gentlemen scofflawers are the kind of guys that know the difference between an aperitif and a fortified dessert wine, but probably drink apple jack or a cold one, although I doubt they go as low as bathtub gin. Don't make any knee-jerk assumptions. The kind of guys who are comfortable being men, not having to resort to pretending to act like one to impress some hippie chick who wants you to go to a march with her to tip over recycling bins (laughs) while she stands back and screams at the fascist cops. (laughs) What does recycling bins have to do with this? I thought the fascists liked recycling. Seems contradictory. Yeah, it seems like like she would like recycling bins. Hippies like that sort of thing. These... (laughs) These are the kind of guys who stand out from the hippies or hipsters or whatever they're being called nowadays. You know, the ones who dress like lumberjacks but have never used an axe in their lives. It's true. The podcast is about what interests normal sane men. 
Well, sane? I don't know about that. <laughs> These Maybe interest normal sane. A little crazy. <laughs> <laughs> These type of guys are not quite on the endangered species list, but if society keeps going the way it is, they probably will be. If you want to hang out with to. your... Uh, if you want to hang on to your sanity uh, and can't find anything you consider normal, try listening to these guys who just do their own thing and in the process mock uh, the PC crowd, although I do believe they have a token Canadian, but not for cultural diversity, but because he's pretty funny. Why, thank you. <laughs> this is your one fan, John. I, I have one person fooled. <laughs> <Dude>. <laughs> I can't believe I used cultural diversity in a sentence. I can't believe I used token Canadian in a sentence. Knock off that hippie crap and act like a man. If you enjoy fine tobacco in your favorite briar or cob, know that a real man is confident, respectful, and hardworking. And if you like to have some part of your life uh, where you can just enjoy the company of normal, rational, funny guys, you'll be right at home listening to this podcast. This is like an actual like review. Like this would be like, you know, like on a on a blog or something. <laughs> Which one of us is the normal it, one? It wouldn't fit. On the back of a book, it wouldn't fit. It definitely wouldn't fit on the back of the book. You'd need um, the, you know, the front and back flap. Maybe, if, maybe it'd be a forward. If we were to pick one <laughs> quote to go on the back of a book, what would it be? Oh, Knock uh, off that hippie crap. <laughs> Knock off that hippie crap. Or I can't believe I used the word or, "token Canadian" in a sentence. I, I doubt they go as low as bathtub gin. <laughs> <laughs> oh man all right thank you z burnout uh now let's go to a quick break and we'll be back with special guest matt paxton now this segment is brought to you by audible.com and for you the listeners of the gentleman's call flop podcast audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service um now, they're a great website, and if you like listening to podcasts, you like listening to audiobooks. Um, and again, with this free trial, you can download any title you would like. Um, I would recommend If at Birth You Don't Succeed, written by my good friend and friend of the show, Zach Anner. Um, he's a hilarious guy, and he reads his own audiobook, which is rare. So that's a bonus. So download his book today. He's a guest of the show. You can listen to his book for free. Now, audiobooks are great. Um, they work just like, you know, listening to a podcast. If you like listening to podcasts, you like listening to audiobooks. Well, you're sitting there, you know, uh, cooking dinner or uh, you're, you know, at work, uh, you know, typing some emails. Or maybe you're you're stuck in L.A. traffic like I am. Or maybe you're, you know, it's the weekend and you're just uh, sitting back and uh, doing some uh, Pinterest crafts uh, that you've always wanted to do that you've had there on your board just waiting for you to to, to tackle, uh, you might as well listen to an audiobook while doing that. And, and people don't know that you, you killed two birds with one stone. You made an amazing Pinterest craft, and you listened to the book. Now, I don't know which of our listeners are making Pinterest crafts, but um, there are some pretty manly crafts you can do on Pinterest. So go to audibletrial.com slash gentscofflaw to get your free audiobook download and your free 30-day trial today. You won't regret it. 
All right, I'm really excited to have this guest. Um, for those of you who are a fan of the hit TV show Hoarders, he is a cleaning expert, everybody's favorite cleaning expert on that show, author, speaker, and podcaster, Matt Paxton. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, man. <laughs> um, so I don't, I've, I've always kind of, I guess, had an interest in a lot of the, the weird and the grotesque. And so I immediately <laughs> was drawn to hoarders <laughs> when I saw the first episode, um, or whatever the episode was I saw first. And, um, yeah, you, you seem like, like a lot of people are drawn to you. You're like the, the expert, there's a lot of other experts on that show, but you have a huge fan base. Yeah, I, I'm lucky, man. A, a camera guy told me the, the first time I got on the show, like they found me on a Tuesday on on YouTube like eight years ago. So wow. it wasn't a whole lot of people on there. Wow. And then like on Friday, I was in Alabama and I was like filming a show. And I was like, well, what do I do? <laughs> like I didn't know anything. And they were like, look, man, just do what you do at work. Uh, and But he was like, just be yourself because this is going to be a big show. It hadn't aired yet. Yeah. And they were like, this this is going to be a big deal. So like, just be yourself. Cause whatever you are today, this is what you're gonna have to be on camera. Oh, wow. And so, I mean, I was broke. I was literally like living uh, on my buddy's couch and I didn't even have enough money to get there. I had to front me money to get there. Oh, wow. And so I was just like crazy excited to have like a meal, like, like with, with, they were going to pay for my beer and my food. And I was like so <laughs> stoked. And so I was happy. And so I was just myself and I just told it like it was. And then I think people like that because reality was still just really getting started in TV. Yeah. So it was heavily overscripted. And so I think the fact that we weren't scripted, people yeah. dug that. Yeah. And that, and that held, that held strong the entire, you know, eight seasons we were on. Yeah. It never really felt like it was, it was scripted like a lot of these other shows. Um, it, it really wasn't. They would just be like, yo, go help people. And at first they would try to script it. They'd be like, can we create some drama? And we were like, just leave the damn cameras running. Like, that's all you really have to do. Like, this disorder naturally has drama every hour. So yeah. we're just like, don't get in the way and let us do our thing. And so they would do a lot of long shots because the family would, would tighten up when the family was, when they thought the cameras were on. Okay. And then a minute, they never, in eight seasons, they never understood that mics were on all the time. Oh, yeah. And so they would like the minute we were breaking for lunch and then the real stuff would come out. And so we'd be shooting it long, you know, and then oh, you'd have hilarious. to like come up and get it. <laughs> that's wow. hilarious. Well, how do you get, how do you get into that line of work? I mean, so were you dealing with hoarders before or were you just like a, a cleaner? Like how did, how did you get started? Yeah, I mean, it's a, you want the, the, the long version or the super short yeah, version? Give me, give me what the long uh, version. I'll give you the in between. The, okay. uh, I was an economist for the federal reserve. Uh, believe it or not, I worked, went to school outside of Washington, D.C. I wanted to be an economist, got the job I wanted at the Federal Reserve. And like the day two, I was like, oh, crap, I don't want this job. Like this is <laughs> this sucks. <laughs> and so I tried to get out of it and I had to stay six months. And on my sixth month, I quit and I went to Caesars Palace and I became an economist for Caesars Palace Casinos in Las mm -hmm. Vegas. And I think one of y'all is from L.A. So, I mean, you know, you get Vegas like it's it's yeah. awesome. It's too awesome. I was a 24-year-old kid. I got in a ton of trouble, uh, and I got addicted to everything you can get addicted to. Oh, wow. And I had they moved me to Tahoe to sober me up. And if you've ever spent a weekend in Tahoe, that's not the place you go to sober up. <laughs> I've never <laughs> and, been, uh, but I've heard. No. And, and it got worse, and I got addicted to everything, like every drug, like girls, gambling, everything. And so it took me about, about six months to really hit rock bottom. Owed a bookie 40 grand. And uh, he beat the crap out of me. 
and I had to like pay him back. And so I had a lot of, I was going to rob a bank and then I was going to lie. I mean, I, am I allowed to cuss on that? I don't know if I'm allowed to cuss yeah, or not. Yeah, do whatever you want. Yeah, man. I mean, literally my low point was I, I, I owed this bookie 40 grand and I had a day to come up with it. And I said to myself, like, I wonder how many dicks I'm going to have to suck for 40 grand. <laughs> and like, the math on That's that the is first alarming. place your mind went to. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I was going to rob a bank first, no, yeah. and I knew I'd get I knew I'd get caught. And so I was like, well, the, mat, the, the, the statistics in me, I was like, well, the odds are bad on that. Yeah. And then I was like, well, how else am I going to make really easy money? And I was like, maybe I'll run some, I'll run some drugs from, from Mexico. And I, I called my drug dealer. I'm very open about you know, my past. And I called yeah. my drug dealer, and I was like, yo, man, I'm in trouble. I owe all this money, and I got to pay him by tomorrow, and I need 40 grand. Like, can I talk to like your boss? Can I go down to Mexico and pick some stuff up? And my drug dealer was like, dude, you sound desperate. Lose my number. I want nothing to do with you. Oh, wow. And, I, and I, like when your drug dealer is judging you for poor decisions, <laughs> like that's a low point. Yeah. So then my next one was like, all right, I'm going to suck some dicks. And I was like, one, I would have done it. But like 400, that's, that's not good math. And so like, I was like, all right, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to kill myself. What and I, I really to... start killing myself. And that was oh, my low sorry. point. Obviously, I didn't do it. But I came back to Virginia where I live. And it took me about a year to get back and uh, just kind of traveled around the country, just failing at everything. And mm. I started cleaning old ladies' attics because I couldn't get to work. And so mm. I was actually cleaning old ladies' attics for about three or four years oh, wow. and was just struggling. I, a lot, my dad, my stepdad, both my grandfathers, they all died during that time. Oh. And I just like total rock bottom. You think the Tahoe was rock bottom. It was all those guys dying. And then believe it or not, like that's when I came up with this business. And so I was cleaning hoarded homes for like four years before the show came out, but we didn't even know what it was. Wow. Like we just called them pack rats. We thought they were like old ladies from church. <laughs> and so I already knew how to do it. I just, we didn't have a wrapper around it. And then they saw me on YouTube and they were like, we dig what you do, man. Let's put you on the show. And like true story, the day that it aired, Verizon turned off my phone. Oh, wow. Cause I hadn't paid it in, in yeah. three months. Back then it was three months. Now it's two months. Yeah. And, if you don't pay it. But like, I, I would always, I knew the math. So I was like, all right, well, I'll stretch it 90 days. Then I'll pay it because of yeah. the cash flow stuff. And I was just really, really, really like so bummed. Cause I was like, I'm finally on TV. Like I'm, my mom's finally gonna have something to be proud of. Yeah. And they cut my phone off. <laughs> so I, I begged them and they were like, we can't do anything. And I said, look, dude, you have a mom. And he's like, yeah, what, what is it? What do you mean? And this is like the guy on the phone. I was like, I'm going to be on TV tonight. Like, look it up. Like look in the TV guide. Like that's how long ago this was. Yeah. And I was like, please, like, I want my mom to like call me and say she's proud. And the guy's like, I got a mom, man. I hear you. I'm going to give you 24 hours. I'll <laughs> let you receive calls, but you can't make any out. Oh, wow. And so oh, he got wow. my phone ring and literally the show aired. And the next morning I had like 30 calls. I had about 500 emails wow. and I've been cleaning houses ever since. Wow. What Jeez. a great story. Long story short. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it was rock, 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 rock bottom. But I will tell you this. I mean, Ironically, you know, you become the best cleaner. I, I think I'm the best. Back to your first question. I'm yeah. really good and people like me because I'm very open about my past and I've been at rock bottom. So when yeah. I'm working with these hoarders, I'm talking to them with them because I've been where they are. Yeah. And I think a lot of therapists and a lot of our like like more polished people, they never really got to rock bottom. Yeah. Well, they don't understand. Well, that makes all the difference too because I think when watching the show, like – you come off as a no-nonsense guy, but you also come off as compassionate at the same time. Well, some of the therapists, not all of them, but some of them come off as like, they're clear, clearly like doing the procedures that a therapist does, and it doesn't come off as very 
human I, in that I know, sense. I know specifically who you're speaking of. And <laughs> yes, I, uh, I, I, that is true. And, yeah. and you know, I just tr- one thing we people don't realize is we'll spend sometimes we'll spend you know 24 hours to 48 hours with the family before we go on camera. Yeah. And so I spend a lot of time in the home getting to know these family members. So by the time we get on camera, we're actually we have a relationship. Yeah. And so like when I push them, they're like, oh. Okay, like this dude's with me. He's been in my house with me. He's not just coming in as a TV person. Yeah. And so I'll I'll invest a lot of time with him to get that relationship before we do anything. Yeah. There's even one episode when you actually slept in the horn. <laughs> that was yeah. insane. And that, uh, I was against that. The uh, <laughs> it was it was not the best thing. I mean, I knew it was for ratings, and I was like, this is wrong. And <laughs> I called all my experts. I called my therapist. I called, you know, all these professionals I work with and, and they all said, don't do it. So then I went, I told a and I was like, nope, not yeah. going to do it. This is ethically wrong. There's no amount of money you can pay me to do this. And like 20 minutes later, we found out there was a very specific amount of money you can pay me. <laughs> <laughs> so I did. And, uh, not knowing that I would learn everything. Yeah. Like, I didn't think I was going to learn. I thought I knew everything about hoarding. And turns out, man, you don't know nothing until you spend the night in the house. Yeah. And like, cause like when the lights go off, you can't see anything. And, and these houses are jacked full. And so you, you only going off of what your memory is. And so you mm. like, you think this, this wall of stuff is books and papers. But like when you start sweating, that sweat feels like a spider. Oh yeah. And you don't know if it's a spider or if it's a, or if it's sweat. And then, you know, and then something gets on your face or something runs across, you know, a can rolls across your leg and you're like, is that a really thick snake or is that a can? And so your brain just goes insane, man. Yeah. And it's constant and you can't sleep. And so I, le- I ended up doing it seven times. I learned more those seven times I spent the night in the house than I did for seven years wow. cleaning the houses. Like it's was- the mental trauma that you go through every night. Yeah. That's what really puts the hoarder in a, in a crazy place. Well, and, you- and I experienced and it was insane. Do they eventually just tune that out and get used to it? Or is it like, is it always constant torment like that? Almost constant, man. 24 seven. I call it, um, mental violence. Like there's an old, uh, there's an Avid brothers. I don't know if you've heard the Avid brothers, really good band. Yeah. There's a, one of their songs, the lines go, well, I ever know silence without mental violence. Oh. And I love that. Well, I ever know silence without men- like you and I, we have silence, Yeah. but our horde, and it's constant mental violence. They're opening their eyes. They see it. They see everything that's bad. And then they close their eyes and they hear it and they feel it. And the anxiety kicks in. So like, believe it or not, daytime's actually better for a hoarder. Wow. And I compare it to, if you've ever taken a red eye from like LA to, to DC or like LA to New York, yeah. like imagine doing that every night for 10 years in a row. Wow. Like that's mental state that they're in. It's like, and I, I mean, if I'm in the nice seats up front, I still struggle on that red eye yeah. and they do it every night back to back to back to back. It's complete mental violence. It's, wow. it's, 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 and no wonder they're so tired and so out of it. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's, it's neat to get this kind of insight cause you don't really get that from watching the show. I mean, you know that they have issues and stuff, but like being able to, you know, to understand what they go through is really, Oh, really it's, it's all caused by trauma. Something bad yeah. has happened to them. Every one of them. Like the more I've, I've probably cleaned 3000 houses by now. And the more family, every family I've met with, something bad has happened to them all like divorce or death or loss of a kid or a lot of them been uh, physically or sexually abused. Like something bad has happened and that's why no one would choose to act this way. So how, how does it go from something terrible has happened in my life to I'm going to start 
collecting all of these things Cypress. and filling my house. Yeah, weird how go, stuff. Yeah. How do you go from a beanie baby to shitting in your living room? Yeah. <laughs> <Exactly>. yeah. <laughs> That's what I see. Yeah. Well, it's no different than how do I go from drinking, you know, a natty light to doing heroin two times a day? Yeah. Right. It happens okay. slowly over time. And I can, I use that example on purpose. It's no different, man. It's no different than, you know, you know I met a, I met a guy the other day, he drinks a case of beer a day and I don't think he's that drunk really. I think he's pretty, he's just okay. Right. Yeah. But like there was a time when two beers messed that guy up and yeah. it's just, it's gradually over time. And I tell everybody like what this hoarder is doing is they're looking for happiness. They're looking for happiness and self-worth. They're looking in the wrong place. They're yeah. looking for it and stuff, but that's what they're looking for. And so any of it, like I gambled, I drank, I did drugs. I was looking for an escape. I was looking for happiness. They're doing the same, but like once you smoke weed a lot, well, weed's not enough. You got to do something else. And so they start doing bigger and more stuff. Wow. That's crazy. Um, it is well, it's how, intense, man. I mean, how common is hoarding? Cause I mean, you're mentioning other, other addictions and stuff and we always hear about those, but maybe that's why hoarder hoarders is such a fascinating show. Cause it's not you know, what people think of when they think of like an addiction or, a, or, yeah, a, I mean, you know, the TV show was kind of, you know, it's like a car wreck. I mean, you, it's fascinating. You yeah. don't want to turn off. Uh, it makes you feel better about your own life too. I mean, like you're like, Oh, well, my, my house isn't that bad <laughs> when you see that. It makes me want to clean thing. my house when I, when yeah, I finish everybody, it. They're like, dude, I clean my house so much on Wednesday. Man. <laughs> um, for me, it's no different than watching Biggest Loser. Yeah. I'll, I'm eating a tub of ice cream watching Biggest Loser. And I'm like, well, I'm not so fat. Like, I, I need to lose 50 pounds, but not 600. Right? It's, the same, it's the same thing. Yeah. Now, the commonality is, is you, this will blow you away. Um, the, it, it's actually ranked around 10 to 14 million people. So that's just under 5% of the U.S. struggles with hoarding. Wow. That's wow. a massive number. Now, this is what will really blow you away. 10 to 14 million. We just had an election last year. You probably haven't heard anything about it. No. But down here in the state, we had a, <laughs> what, a head, crazy election. And we talk, I think we talked about immigration. Well, there's only 14 million illegal immigrants in America. Oh. And I'm telling you, there's just as many hoarders. So, and that's a proven stat. Now, here's the thing: I'm not saying one's more important than the other, but think how much we talk about immigration, and think how little we talk about hoarding. Yeah, wow. Mm. I give speeches all around the really all around the country now, and and everywhere we go, I say, "Hey, does anybody here know someone that's affected by hoarding?" And the entire room raises their hand. Yeah. Well, it's kind of subjective, isn't it, as well? Like, where? How do you know where to draw the line between little Jimmy collecting his bottle caps to? diapers. <laughs> yeah. That's a really good question. Uh, both of them have poopy diapers. It's just which, yeah, which one is how old they are. Uh, the line we, we say is, is it, has it caused damage to your family, friends, or neighbors? That's okay. when it crosses the line. And by the way, some people are just messy. Yeah. Period. Mm-hmm. Like my wife is messy. Is she mentally ill? Not for that reason. No. <laughs> <laughs> so like, you don't, just because your partner is messy doesn't mean they hoard. And we do, to your point, you're dead right. We, we overuse that term now. That's yeah. one bad thing about the TV shows. We've made it so popular. Like I get calls all the time. They're like, oh, my seven-year-old, she's a hoarder. She's got a hundred purses. Yeah. Well, that's not hoarding. That, that's bad parenting. Like there's nothing <laughs> yeah. with hoarding. Why, how does a seven-year-old have a hundred purses? Someone bought it. Someone drove, picked it up. But it, it, it is subjective. We all say it, but I mean, the clinical, like there's actually five stages and mm-hmm. four and five is what you see me deal with on TV. 
and that number is between 10 and 14 million. Oh, that's Jeez. pretty deep into it at that point. Stage one, like, well, I mean, my, like, we just have too many clothes, too many piles. My God, I mean, I think everybody has yeah. some chronic disorganization. And the, the clinical term is chronic disorganization. Yeah. I think I think most people suffer with that, especially in America, where a consumeristic society, we buy, buy, buy. Yeah. And some of us have too much stuff. Well, that's what I wonder, too. Like, is hoarding, is it... Is it like a first world phenomenon? Because if you're in somewhere in the third world, what do you collect? You know what I mean? Like, is, yeah. it, is it an American you problem? Ever, or you ever saw South Park, uh, or not South Park, um, Family Guy had an episode of Ethiopian hoarders. And <laughs> there, was, there was a dude like in a hut. And there was like one stick on the ground. And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. I mean, it's <laughs> very, very, uh, it is, a, it's not, we think it's an Americanized thing. It's not. Okay. It's a monetized, it's a monetized and grief thing. So the only thing that causes grief, causes hoarding, is grief. Something yeah. bad has happened, yeah. right? and you're looking for happiness over the stuff. So if you have a consumeristic society, there's hoarding. So we have a lot in Europe, we have a lot in Asia, we have a lot in North America. Wow, that's crazy. I used to think that John here was a hoarder because back when we were <laughs> teenagers, we'd go to the movie theater. And they used to have these stacks of movie magazines and he would grab the whole stack and store them. And he'd be like, one day, all of these magazines are going to be worth <laughs> something. And I have a bunch of them. I am sure you could wide. We're on Skype right now for yeah. listeners. If we widescreen this, I'm sure you got a ton of podcast equipment. You do not need somewhere in that room. <laughs> it's true. It's anybody, true. anybody in radio or podcasting, we all hoard a little, we get too yeah, much yeah. Like, Oh, I need this adapter. What if I need to use this? No, it's been sitting there for two years. <laughs> Suitcase. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, well, Matt, I mean, uh, what's your favorite soap? <laughs> That's a great question. No one's ever asked me this question. <laughs> I love. There's an old soap called Lava, wow. and it was it had sandstone in it. It was a it was a pumice soap that had sandstone actually in it. So it had a, an agri that actually would scratch stuff off. I love. So, and I'm a Dr. Bronner's fanatic, man. That's what I use. I love, Dr. That's, Bronner's is... That stuff will make your dingle tingle, though, if you're not careful. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Get a little extra push. I will tell you, um, on the uh, cleaning side, I love Simple Green. That's a really good cleaner, an okay. all-purpose all cleaner. Mm-hmm. And it's it's got some... I mean, the unfortunately, there's not really a, a very good all-natural cleaner out there yet. Yeah. I mean, it's just not. Um, but secret people don't know this spit is a phenomenal your own saliva is a phenomenal cleaner yeah. you can't get something put spit on it and and rub it off that sounds horrible but if you do that it'll really 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 clean it up my dad used to do that with our hockey masks when we were kids he would spit in them and then buff them out and we're like what and it would also it was like an anti-fog solution <laughs> mm-hmm. yes y'all are all right, so up north we we get it with body armor we get a lot and hockey equipment apparently just reeks yeah. um we used to if you if you Put a t- if you put about one part Dr. Bronner's in a 10-part water, it'll it'll actually dilute it really good and just spray that on it. Yeah. Let it sit about 30 seconds. Wipe it, it'll get rid of that funk really, really, really? good. Well, these are good tips. I got to use these. <laughs> um, apparently, I've never played it, but apparently hawker gear reeks. Me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. My dad um, plays hockey, and we were at one of his games the other day in the locker room, and I remember it. like It's a distinct hockey smell that you only get in a hockey locker room that's not anywhere else. It's it's pretty gross. <laughs> but apparently, we work with. I used to work with a lot of police departments, and yeah. they had like when budgets are tight, they have to share bulletproof vests. 
Oh. And the bulletproof vest for the same issue. Oh, and it's the tea, it's oh, actually boy. the tea tree oil. Tea tree oil is what you want to use. It's an it's an all natural essential oil, and that's really the most important part of Dr. Bronner's is that tea tree oil. Oh, really? Cool. That's I'm <laughs> learning new things. That's some strong <laughs> Dude, stuff. I'm a, I'm a clean geek, man. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Um. Well, I mean, I can't not ask you about this episode, which I think everybody talks about, um, the crazy cat lady episode with the cats in her freezer. I mean, how, yeah. was that as bad as it was on TV? <laughs> it, it was as bad as it was on TV. Um, hashtag liquid cats is what we found in that. <laughs> so I have this thing, whenever I go into house, I, I, no matter what I see, I say, hey, that's not that bad. Yeah. seen a lot worse. I always say that. They're not that bad. It's not worse. Well, I walked in her house and she probably had about six inches of, of cat poop the whole way around the house. Gosh. And it was oh, solidified. Boy. We should take a sawzall to cut it apart because it was so solidified the whole way through. In some oh, places, it was like two feet. And I was like, well, this really isn't that bad. I've seen a lot. She goes, no, Matt, you haven't seen the kitchen. Come to the kitchen. And I get to the kitchen and then like the fridge opens and it's filled. I mean, top to bottom cats. Right? Oh. And, and what people don't know is like, if you leave your lettuce too long in the fridge, what happens? It yeah. liquefies. Uh, yeah, it becomes liquid. Yeah. Whisper drawer. Well, <laughs> the same thing happens with cats. And so we have about two inches of liquid cats at the bottom of this fridge. And I'm like, how the hell am I going to get liquefied cat out of this fridge? Like, wow. what's the protocol on that? And like, do I take it to, uh, like, I can't like bag it? No. Or can I? And I didn't, so I had to like do all this research to find out, like, am I even legally around to transport liquid cats? <laughs> and at, in that part of the country, I wasn't even allowed to transport the cats. It was about 80 cats. It was too many cats for me wow. to legally transport in bags. I had to have a cremation place come get it. Wow. It was the craziest, worst smell. And the poor lady, and I say this all the time, you'll be like, well, how the hell is it? How do you get 80 cats in a refrigerator? It, and they're, they're dead, obviously. Yeah. Um, but like, start asking like what's what's up like what's the mental process there and it always makes sense if you understand the story yeah. well her son had died of uh, of drug addiction EOD'd, and she didn't have enough money to pay for her son's burial and so yeah. for her she actually was trying to like like do the right thing she would find these cats all over the roads and she'd take them home bag them and in fact what you didn't see on tv was she had actually uh, put a post-it note on every one of these cats with a name and a date and where she found them and she was going to really try to like properly bury these things. And as uh-huh. crazy as that sounds, it's kind of sweet, right? Yeah. And she just, she worked yeah. at Walmart. She didn't make enough money. She could never do it. So we, I mean, we ended up paying for all of them. We cremated. We ended up getting her son a headstone. Like we did all the stuff for her. She was the coolest lady when you got to know her. Yeah. Like actually amazing. And I actually got invited to her wedding this last summer. Oh, really? Like, wow. Man, she got her life back together. She got into like assisted living. She got food. She got medication. She got help. She got socialization. Oh, wow. And man, she got a little rascal, like one of those scooters, and she ended up getting a boyfriend. And man, she got married. Wow. Like, she's doing awesome. That's um, a great... she's, I mean, there's, yeah, there are really good stories. You don't hear them because people don't want to put that on TV. Yeah. Well, that's like, it's good to hear that because that's probably the worst one I've ever seen and the worst one we've all seen on TV. Um, but to the, hear that it turned worst, out well. The worst part of that, I don't know if you guys have kids, I have three kids. Um, I don't yeah. doing what I do. I got to be really careful what I share with my family. Oh, like yeah. what the, and so my wife actually never watched the show. She watched the last episode. That was it. Last, oh, wow. last season. She had it was mm-hmm. a two hour episode. And so she had never watched it before. Yeah. And cause she doesn't really want to know what I'm doing in that world. And, uh, in that cat, like in the cat refrigerator, 
there was a little thing of peach yo play yogurt down in the like the second drawer and the, it was open and there was a spoon in it which meant she had eaten it and put it back in the fridge <laughs> that's what grossed me out worse than looking at there was yogurt in that fridge oh gosh so fast forward three years later Guess what my son's favorite yogurt is? Oh, no. <laughs> Yo-Play yogurt. And so every time I open my fridge, I smell 60 dead cats. Oh, gosh. I smell the liquefied cats, and I see it, and I feel it, and I smell it. I actually had to shave my body after that episode because I couldn't get the smell off my body. Oh, gosh. I, I felt like it was all in my hair. and all. And I mean, I shaved every part of my body because oh. I couldn't. I just freaked out. I smell that every time I see Pete Yo-Play yogurt. Mm. Is and that- so I constantly try to get my kids to to eat different type of yogurt. <laughs> that's their favorite. Guy. Oh my gosh. And I, so I can't say any, I, my wife doesn't even know that that, that happens. Really? Wow. That's, that's crazy. And we got a question actually on Instagram that said, what's the worst thing you ever smelled during filming? And that's probably the answer. Unless, unless you can think of something else. <laughs> um, the liquefied cats was pretty rough. <laughs> um, I had, I had 40,000 gallons of urine in one house. Oh gosh. It was in Seattle, and so they were all in old plastic and glass jars. And in Seattle, you legally have to recycle that. And so we had to pour the urine out into a big uh, 55-gallon drum and then suck it up with a a hose. And so I had to open 20 years of of urine. And uh, that got pretty ripe. I mean, it got really, really intense. I can imagine. And that's was something else <laughs> it'll probably sting your <laughs> I mean, eyes dead, dead bodies is a smell you'll never forget I've, I've cleaned up a lot of dead bodies and that's a very unique smell yeah. but and mm. probably the forty thousand gallons of urine is probably and and, and definitely uh liquid cats is up there. <laughs> liquid cats hashtag liquid cats that's hilarious you got your name of your podcast up there. yeah <laughs> <laughs> speaking of uh podcasts you i mean you have your own podcast um are you still are you still gonna continue doing that because that was a great it's, show it was fun man i had a two-year go i did it for two years and um the funny thing with podcasts is and TV, they get you recognized. And I was a brutally honest podcast. I, just my buddies and I would sit down after we cleaned and we'd tell stories. Yeah. And so we went through our ups and our downs. And then we ended up getting a really big national sponsorship. And uh, the, the guys asked me to not cuss at all. Uh-huh. And so I tried to do a podcast without cussing. And I told him, I was like, this is clean. Like, you can hear it. It's good. I didn't say a single word. Yeah. And I said, like, it sounded like a George Carlin you know, skit. Like every bad word you could have was in there. <laughs> and it, words I don't even use on a daily basis, I said. And I was realizing, I said, guys, I'm not going to be able to do that. And so I dropped the podcast. Uh, basically, I sold out. It was a lot of money to not do it. And so mm-hmm. I had to not do it. Um, but I just started a new one. I got a new, whole new business uh, now. Okay. And cleaning up estates. And, uh, and so we started a new podcast. It's actually, it'll drop next week. Oh, uh, awesome. It's called Modern, Modern Grief. And so I'll start started again it's a i mean i'm you know i'm 10 years older than i was when i started yeah started doing horse i mean i had no i was single living literally on my buddy's couch when i first time i was on tv and mm. and now i'm married and got three kids and so i've grown up a little bit but you know i do clean up dead cats for a living and so <laughs> I, I, I i enjoy a good dirty story i mean that's how we decompress and i think yeah. that's what people need to understand that like we I need the gross, like I need three, you know, I need 81 cats in a fridge now. Like 80 is not enough, right? I need, 81, <laughs> yeah. you know, and I, I got found 300 cats in a house one time. 
I need 340 cats now. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm still a recovering addict. I'm just addicted to good stuff. Yeah. And so I need grosser stuff. And so I, I enjoy the grosser stuff. Yeah, I really love the really filthy stories and I miss doing that podcast, but I'm, I'm the new podcast is cool. We get a lot of really cool, um, stories from families that have just lost someone or the, or someone's like a terminally ill. I interviewed a guy this, this week. He's terminally ill. He's getting ready to die. And I was like, all right, man, well, before you die, like, what do you want the world to know about you? And like, you wouldn't believe the stuff he said, like this dude knows he's going to die in two weeks. And so you talk about no filter, like Mm -hmm. it was insane. It was unbelievable. So I'm excited. I mean, although it's not as a funny, actually, you'd be surprised how funny people are when they know they're going to die. Yeah. They they just lay it out there, man. So, I mean, I'm I'm enjoying that, but uh, I miss the old school, but I also have kids that can listen to it now and can hear it. Like, <laughs> say that about that girl you know, yeah like, that makes it hard not my mommy you know it's like oh that's a good point you know? yeah <laughs> did your wife ever listen to it and get mad at you does that ever happen though no? <laughs> she, never, she never listened to it she uh her friends would and they'd be like dude he told this horrible story about you and she's like yeah, I don't that's she, hilarious uh, she, she she honestly we made a, a really hardcore decision early on that she wouldn't get involved in, in the the entertainment stuff. And we stayed on the East coast. We didn't go to LA. We didn't go to New York. And, you know, she just wants me to show up on time. She just wants me to, you know, be at the swim meet and be a dad. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that kept me grounded. That's one of the things that, uh, that kept me, you know, not getting above what, I mean, like she's just not impressed with me in any way, shape or form. And <laughs> keeps me pretty chill. Really? Yeah, that's um, well, you, I mean, you obviously our listeners could know right now that you have a gift for storytelling and that's what you do on the podcast, but you talk a lot about your dad being this great storyteller, which yeah. there is a really like the way you describe the way your dad tells a story was a story in itself. Like you, you're talking about how he would pick the cigar based on the length of the story that he had to tell. Hemingway, he smoked a Hemingway <laughs> short story. It was about a 30 minute cigar. And so he would always finish the story on the last ash. So the punchline <laughs> came back on the last ash and he was dropping a mic you know, 50 years before you dropped mics. I mean, he just, <laughs> he owned a room and he knew how to tell a story. And so, yeah, I am lucky, man. I, I mean, I, I watched my dad for 20 years, just tell stories, man. He would go to, we'd go to bars and he'd sit down and he'd have 30 people listening to these crazy stories. And I'm sure half of them weren't true, but mm. they were amazing stories, man. And so, yeah, I enjoy I, I'm brutal. on. You keep hearing me say the word brutal honesty, man, just mm. tell it like it is like, let it tell itself really. And, and you know, my number one, and this is kind of funny. Um, I, you know, I get to do a lot of stuff on Facebook and, and Instagram. And uh, my number one best post ever was uh, when nobody showed up for my book tour in middle of nowhere, Nebraska. Barnes & Noble had me there for a big, <laughs> a huge book signing. They publicized it. It was middle of the summer, which is always a bad time for that. Yeah. And I get there. It's like from six to eight. And there's like, you know, 75 seats there ready for this big lecture and book signing and everything. Not a damn person showed up, man. Not one <laughs> single person. So there's a picture of me sitting there at the lecture, at the lectern with all these empty seats. So I put that picture, I put that picture up on Facebook and still to this day, it's my number one post. So I learned for people like honesty, right? Yeah. They don't want Facebook's one big lie. Really? I found out it's all yeah. people telling you what they think uh, you sure. want to hear. And so I, I just said, well, I'm going to tell the truth. And so whether it's good or bad, I yeah. post it. And, and the bad ones are what people want to see because it's honest, it's real. 
Yeah. And so my dad taught me that very early. And then now social media has really proved it. And so I, I just tell them bad stuff, man. Yeah. I don't worry about the, the good stuff. If I tell you how great I am, you're going to turn it off. Yeah. I tell sure. you, the, tell you where I failed. And then I let you share your part of, of where you failed. And that makes us equal. Yeah. And, and it's actually the same way I clean. I mean, I tell my, I tell the story I told you at the beginning is I, and I call it equalizing. I tell everybody how I failed. I tell everybody, man, I thought I was going to suck a bunch of dicks and you'd be amazed how many people are like, dude, I know exactly how you feel, man. I can't believe you said that out loud. And so I think from a, from a marketing perspective, telling you, telling your thoughts that, that you think, should I say this out loud? I argue, heck yeah, that's the one thing you say. Cause everyone else is not saying it. And when you say it, it's going to get people excited. And so that, that's my storytelling. And, and I watched my dad do it for years. Yeah. My dad died dead broke. I actually had to pay for his party oh, wow. uh, after he died because he had no money. But man, a thousand people showed up to his funeral and told amazing stories about him. Wow. Like, man, your dad gave me my first job. Your dad, man, he was the best, man. Like, he slept with my sister, but I still love your dad. And he, would talk, <laughs> like, he would tell me all these horrible things my dad had done, and they're like, he's the best. Right? And it was just, <laughs> he was brutally honest and i and i've learned that like you know what you are who you are just embrace it yeah. and that's what my dad did and so his stories were ins- i mean like my god i mean he was a cowboy basically born 100 years too late like he really <laughs> should have been in the wild wild west yeah and i would have torn it up and uh <laughs> so i do man i love telling my stories about my dad and he i mean he just owned a room man owned yeah. a room that's what, it was well, awesome. well, you do too so i mean that's a testament to to you and what your dad passed on i think because i mean i love listening to your podcast and, and hearing stories and it's just fun it's like it's really i don't I, I don't know if john if you've heard it yet but it's like it's super bare bones just you telling stories and it's it's fascinating so basically we would buy back and we just keep telling stories till we ran out of beer yeah i actually just added it uh, on my iphone as we were talking, so I'll have something to listen <laughs> to on my commute five, tomorrow. It's five decisions away, yeah, and uh, it's a cool. It's still up. I leave it up. I haven't. I haven't filmed it in probably. Uh, I mean, y'all. I'll be honest. I haven't done a podcast in over a year. Y'all, my first one back. Wow. And exclusive. And I'm just starting to get back You're into welcome. exclusive exclusivity right here, man. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Well, uh, there's one po- story that you told on your uh, your podcast that for just had me like on the floor. Talking about, because um, you go around speaking a lot, and you've said because a lot of people open up to you, right? They just kind of, yeah. you're because of the way you are, the way that, that you're no nonsense, you're honest about your past. But you talk about spending two days at some event with a George W. Bush impersonator. I don't know if you want to talk about that. But that story was just like having the floor, of like Dude. laughing out loud while I was hiking in, in the middle of the uh, wilderness. So I, was, I don't remember this. I don't, I'll tell you the part I remember. I was literally at this like big very corporate convention and this dude's whole thing is he he looks like george bush he's not george bush he just looks like him (laughs) well i'm about as far left as they get okay i mean and before trump i thought george bush was the worst person i ever met in my entire (laughs) life and now he seems pretty reasonable right when you think about (laughs) it that's a lot of people say now (laughs) i mean you're like oh my god i'd do anything to have bush back well (laughs) i and this is take Trump out of the whole scenario. So at that point I'm sitting next to this guy that I can't stand. And right. So he's got all these people that I thought I I had just joined this company. And so I thought that they were actually FBI people. And I thought it was actually George Bush. (laughs) (laughs) It turns out the, the two secret service guys were actually two accountants from our (laughs) 
office. <laughs> <laughs> and so, it took me, and he's very religious. And so, yeah. like, I'm sitting here before I go on to this thousand person convention. I'm sitting here in the back of this green room with this dude that looks like George Bush. He's holding my hand with these two fake security, these two fake Secret Service guys, and we're praying to God. And I look, and these one guy's crying, and I look up, and I'm like, "What the fuck am I doing with my life, man? Like, what is happening here?" And like, it was the weirdest thing. And then we end up having to hang out for the next two days, and yeah. this guy. All his, you could, I like stories. He's super religious, doesn't drink, and he only talks about looking like George Bush. <laughs> Nothing else. Because <laughs> he doesn't really, I don't know what the hell he looks like in real life, and I don't know what he does. And I'm just like stretching for kind. And so we're like, let's go get some ice cream. And then we go to this, it's in this, uh, Indianapolis. No, St. Louis, some, some, I think it was St. Louis or in, Indianapolis, probably. Yeah, it was Indianapolis. And there's this random like custard place yeah. there that's apparently world renowned. And we walk over there and we get out and, and he's actually this guy goes over the top, man. He's got these fake uh these fake presidential seals that says official impersonator of the president of the United States, but it looks like the seal. <laughs> and so he, gets, he rents a black car, man. He rents a damn Lincoln when he, wherever he's speaking, so that he shows up looking like the president. And he's got these two fake security guys with him. We roll up to the to the custard place and we get out and these people are like, holy shit, man, George Bush and the dude from Hoarders just rolled up in here together. <laughs> so they're, taking, they're taking pictures of us. And like this one, this is probably the part you love. This one like family, clearly immigrant family just got here. They think it's with George Bush and they like, oh, my God, we got they pull the grandma out of the car. They pull the dad out of the car. And these are like old handicapped immigrants. They're pulling everybody out of the car to get these pictures with fake George Bush. <laughs> and they're asking me to take the picture. And I'm like, I finally get in the car. I said, dude, and his name was John. I go, John, I got to ask you, man, you know, those people thought you were really George Bush. He's like, yep. And I go, you just going to let them believe that? He goes, man, we just made their night. He goes, the last thing they want to know is that I'm not George Bush. <laughs> <laughs> they need to know that I'm George Bush. It was the first time he broke character. And he goes, he goes, it'd be rude if I told him I wasn't. He goes, <laughs> of course. <laughs> like, you know what? He's fucking right, man. Like, that's actually the right thing to do, as crazy as that was. And I was just like, this is the weirdest two days of my life. Maybe they thought you were Dick Cheney. <laughs> I was probably too skinny at the time. I'll tell you the weirdest that's happened I had since I did my podcast. Yeah. I went on to do the uh this Hallmark channel. They have this morning show, like Good Morning LA or whatever. It's like a morning, it's like the Today Show, but okay. it's West Coast. Yeah. And like Debbie, that hot Debbie Mountainopolis is she's the host of it. And uh and I just and I was like, Yeah, I'll do the show. I get over there and I'm talking about hoarding and we're doing all that stuff. And then uh the other guest is the Ringling Brothers and Barnum Barely Circus. This is like two years ago. They were announcing that they were getting rid of the animals and they were going to do more BMX stuff. And like you said, wherever I go, people really want to know about what I do. And they open up to me. And uh, so I'm sitting there. And after the show, these two clowns come up to me and they're in full Ringling Brothers clown, like full white, big shoes, everything. And this one guy comes and he's got a tear painted on his face. And he comes to me and he's like, Yo, man, I really didn't realize who you were, man. You're the guy from Hoarders. I really need to talk to you. I'm a hoarder, man, and I really need help. Well, 
I appreciate his honesty and his sincerity, but I'm looking at a fucking clown telling me. <laughs> and then his other clown friends come over to me. And so I'm sitting there getting like completely preached to. And I'm having to do a, like a total social, like hoarding education breakdown. And all of them are clowns in full makeup. And one of them, they're hugging each other and they're crying. And I'm like, man, I really appreciate you sharing your story. But I still to this day do not know what the dude looked like because they were all <laughs> and they're pulling out their cell phones out of their big pockets, showing me like what the pictures of the little they, they live in, in train cars. So they only live in like 40 foot area. And I'm like, well, how hoarded it could it be? And it, and it, and it's, it's all like it's a horde of like clown shoes and tricks and balloons. <laughs> I'm like, man, I, I could probably help you, man. But like, you know, I'm trying to get at the psychological part of it, yeah. but I couldn't separate the fact that I'm sitting with a bunch of clowns. And, I, and my publicist is just looking at me. She's like, what the hell is that? And they're, they're hugging me. And like, I mean, like it was unbelievable. I, I never, I mean, that's probably the, the most interesting <laughs> conversation I've ever had. And I, and I got ridiculous. a picture when I got a picture the, the ringmaster gave me his hat and his coat and I got to put all the coat and stuff on and <laughs> take the picture it was awesome oh, it was man. crazy that's ridiculous <laughs> what uh, what so you talked about you've got a current po- uh, podcast coming out dropping soon do you have any other current projects that you're working on or yeah yeah man I started a whole new company uh, it's called Legacy Navigator and uh, we help families through uh, transitions so when someone dies in your fa- in your in your life and uh, we help you figure out everything you got to do from selling all the items to finding the paperwork to, um, gosh, sell even all the way to cleaning the house and selling the house. And we wow. manage all the logistics and we, we take a nice little social work approach to helping you figure out to do stuff when people are dead yeah. and people understand though. It sounds, I know it sounds pretty intense, but it's actually a really cool. It's same. I mean, it's like borders. We get to help people, but we're just helping more people that have more problems. And, yeah. uh, it's pretty amazing. We've, we found that a lot of people just don't know where to turn when someone dies yeah. and us, we just take a really chill, you know, very chill approach to it. And we help you figure everything out. And then if you want to do it yourself, you do it yourself. And if you want to want us to help you, we'll do it. And, uh, we just start, I took about six months off and, um, and now it's great. I'm back in it and, uh, I'm actually filming a new show. I can't talk a lot about that right now, but we'll have a new show on a major network coming out. And, uh, I mean, the coolest thing, you know, we love helping people, but, uh, from a TV perspective, people really want to know about the stuff that we find. And, uh, mm-hmm. we find incredible stuff every day. I mean, uh, cause we're going through like, I don't know how I'm 42. And so I'm cleaning the house of usually a, you know, 60 to 80 year old. And so I'm cleaning it with the adult children that are usually like my age. And yeah. so I'm going through their like childhood room with them. And so mm-hmm. we're finding Ribbix cubes and, um, like I found a box full of old, uh, California raisins from, uh, from <laughs> Those day. are great. And they're actually pretty valuable. Yeah, we're finding insane uh, Star Wars collections. What's and, the uh, best thing you've ever found in the process? Well, I found a million dollars in gold bars one time. <laughs> Holy crap. Yeah, that was, we were like, we didn't want to touch it. We were like, nope, nope. We, we literally <laughs> called the lawyer. No one touched it. We called the lawyer on Skype and we made him hit record. And we're like, we ain't touching it until somebody gets here to because we don't want our names on it. Wow. And that's uh, scary. We find, man, we, I mean, coins, stamps, uh, we find savings bonds all the time. We find, uh, we found a, and actually we found a a original, uh, Monet, Monet, not Monet, but Monet picture. uh, I mean, it was like a $300,000 painting. Holy crap. Uh, It was just sitting in somebody's uh, attic. It was under a poster. 
Yeah. <laughs> behind a Captain America poster. But here's the crazy thing. So I sent it to one of our art experts and I was like, we, t- we have a lot of groups we work with around the country because, yeah. you know, you might find a box of marbles, but they might be really good marbles or like, a you know, yeah. a Barbie doll. You don't know if it's good or not. And we work with a lot of different auction houses, but we, I call this one guy and I took the picture and, and we have a thing. We don't take our cell phones into the house because when working with the family members, you want to be connected to them. Yeah, and so I came, took the picture, sent it to him, came back, had like 30 missed calls. And I was like, oh, this must be valuable. I called the guy. He's like, dude, pick up your phone. Like, is the, look at your phone. Is there another one in the house like it? And I look at it and I go, yeah, it's sitting right next to it. And he goes, those two paintings were stolen from a museum in the 50s in Cleveland. He's like, <laughs> the museum is sending a representative today to buy them back from you guys. Wow. He's like, you gotta have a lawyer there. And I was like, dude, we're just the trap. Like, we're just cleaning the house up. Like, hold up, you know. <laughs> and so we go back in, and I go to the the uh, one lady, and I said, look, ma'am, um, apparently these paintings are valuable. We've got some some appraisers and some buyers actually want to come and offer you money today. And uh, she, I said, how did you how did you acquire these paintings? She goes, oh, well, my uncle was a was a banker in Cleveland, and he got them as collateral on a loan. And I go, yeah, I'm not sure that that's accurate. <laughs> her husband goes, yo, we don't want to talk about this at all. Goes, We're not. Okay. I was like, so you know the real story. And he goes, I have no comment. And so wow. he, totally, he knew it his entire life. His wife never knew. Wow. And the, the, the museum ended up buying them. I mean, they paid him a very fair fair price for him that, that day. It was, wow. it was pretty fascinating. But yeah, I mean, every day we find crazy things, even for like love letters from World War II. I mean, we, we find really cool you know, emotional things and really cool, uh, mm. uh, really cool uh, financial things. And then we find 40,000 gallons of urine. I mean, you know, we find it all. <laughs> do, you ever, do you ever get to keep anything? Have you ever kept something from a hoard? No. 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 So we have a firm rule. We can't keep anything. We can't accept gifts and we can't buy anything. Okay. And it's been a firm rule until this year. I did, uh, did a show of hoarders and the guy had actually, he had acquired, the hoarder had, a, he acquires, he hoards museums. So when a museum goes out of business, he buys everything oh, at wow. like rock bottom. and he cleans out when the casino renovates, he gets all the stuff from the casinos. So he's in Vegas. He's pretty famous on his own, right? He was Lieutenant governor. His name is Lonnie. He's, he's brilliant. He's, okay. I mean, he, he's just, the guy's huge. And, uh, so I'm sitting there working with him and he, we realized he had acquired the, um, Liberace museum when it went out of business. Oh, wow. And I played piano growing up and I love just, to love the flamboyancy and the, just the showmanship of Liberace. Yeah. And he had a pair of Liberace's boots and, uh, we were, we were selling it at auction. And so I did break the rule at auction. I bought, you know, I, I got, I got bid up way high by someone else. In the audience, but I ended up buying a pair of Liberace's boots wow. and, uh, I love them. And I'm gonna give them to a buddy of mine when he, when he, uh, when he, when he retires, but I bought them specifically, <laughs> for him, but I, but it's sitting wow. up in my house. It's just like, what the hell are those big red? <laughs> like, I ain't wearing them in any situation. She's like, I don't know why you have them. Like, get rid of them. And I was like, it's going to be a gift. I love them. But like having them on, like, so they actually showed me wearing them, showed me buying them and wearing them on TV. So actually the fact that I bought them on hoarders actually increased the value, which was pretty cool. Really? Wow, so people wow. call me all the time. I'm buy them. like, nope, they ain't for sale, man. <laughs> That's really cool. Um, well, we, man, we found a lot of cars. I mean, we find some, we found a whole collection of Ferraris. We found, um, how do you find Ferraris? <laughs> man, Cisco, man, in San Francisco, he had six Ferraris in different garages around the city. It was wow. insane. Wow. That's ins- that's really that's insane. Is it? Uh, I I don't know. I'm I'm just baffled by all of this. 
we find so I will say this on the hoarding side, no matter how crazy it is to you and I, if you know the full story, it actually makes sense. Yeah. Like, no, I get that for sure. Not all we're all crazy, we're all messed up. Ours is just some people's is more obvious. Yeah. Um, you know, you and I are but we can hide it because we don't have you know, you, you can't see our issues. Yeah. And uh and with order it's pretty hard to hide it. It's right there in front of you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's insane. well behind the pile of shitty diapers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're really fixated <laughs> on the shitty diapers. Older uh, we get a lot of diapers. The older <laughs> I get just you know, the diapers is is just a really good defense mechanism. If you got eight feet of diapers, are you going in that door? Yeah. No. No. No, I'm not. Want you to come inside. And so it's actually a really effective tool. It's like a like a like a fort barrier or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like a bottle of you know bottle rockets outside your fort. You're not yeah. going in there. It's the same thing. Well, you got to give it to them for the ingenuity of that. <laughs> I'm thinking that. Brilliant. They are brilliant, man. Brilliant. Like yeah. super, super smart. I'm. I wonder if there's like, have they? Have you ever like been just baffled or just like can't believe how well that they've stacked something or because like I look oh, at those places and I'm like yes. how is that standing still like <laughs> it must and be masters I, of tetris they are they are brilliant man and mathematically they're and it's it's fascinating i had one guy he was a he was, was he was a nuclear scientist for the navy mm-hmm. and we actually um it's actually two funny stories one he had a stack of books that somehow like curved it looked like a like a on the cover of a dr seuss book <laughs> like the, how they're you know they curve at about 20 degrees yeah like this stack curved and it was like five foot high and he knew exactly how many he could put on it without it falling over i mean they're just mathematically brilliant wow um same house this is with my new business uh legacy navigator uh and websites legacynavigator.com. but he it was amazing we get in there we're cleaning the house fascinating guy he worked in subs he was a nuclear engineer and two of my guys, Muhammad and Abdul, they go to the D.C. dump and in Washington, D.C., and the Geiger counter goes off immediately. Okay. And that's a, a, a radiation meter. <laughs> so, so I got Abdul and Muhammad in a rented U-Haul that we've paid cash and the radiation meter's going off. Oh, my god! In Washington, D.C. The people at the dump lose their shit very very quickly and they didn't see the humor in this at all and my <laughs> like no 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 no, no, no. Like, we didn't we're not we're not i mean they're they're thinking they're terrorists and we're like no 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 Slow down, man. We're, just, we're just cleaning some old dude's basement man and so we had to like immediately prove that where it had come from yeah. and the home thank god some of the state called and they were like you know this is just and so it turns out the guy's paper who'd been in the nuclear sub his whole life that's where his office was oh, had wow. enough the paper had enough radiation in it to to set off the meters God. And so, learn. Believe it or not, in Washington D.C., it's a very protected city. Even if you have trash that has radiation, they're going to find out. Yeah, where can people find you if they want to want to you know follow Matt Paxton? Yeah, on Facebook, uh, best thing is uh, find me at Matt Paxton on Facebook or on our our, our my new business is Legacy Navigator. That's the it's at Legacy Navigator okay. on Facebook. We're doing a weekly uh, Facebook or monthly Facebook Live, uh, and then we send a ton of posts and. Um, a lot of blogs every week, probably two to three each week. And then the new podcast will be Modern Grief, and that'll be available uh, at Legacy Navigator on uh, on Facebook. And I'll be putting that out actually starting July 1st. Oh, wow. Uh, and we're really excited about that. I'm excited to get the new podcast out. Um, and then you can always just email me, matt at legacynavigator.com, if you got questions. If you got, you know, a lot of people have private questions about their families they need help with. 
just email me matt at legacy navigator.com um but best way and then if you really just want to be if you if you hate me from my trump comments go to uh I am Matt Paxton on Twitter. That's the best way to isolate. You. <laughs> We've gotten a little bit of uh, of hate mail from that too, but <laughs> it's hard nowadays. I had to turn my off for about three months because it just got so yeah, aggressive. It's just it's pretty bad out there. But it, you know, I'm glad that we're able to have conversations like this. That's why podcasts are so great now because everybody wants to you know go head to head on tw- on tw- Twitter or Facebook, and nobody has the face to face. You're talking to real I, people. Here we are. We've spent an hour talking about a mental disorder and we've laughed and we've had fun. And believe it or not, someone on your listening group will be like, oh, my God, I need to get help from my mom. And so someone's actually going to get help after this hour because Mm -hmm. we presented it in a manner that was actually fun and chill and no judgment. And I think that's the key. No judgment. You could take that to politics. You could take anything, man. We need Mm -hmm. to just chill out. And that is a very Canadian philosophy. And I know that. Um, <laughs> a lot of, I, know, I mean, dude, I spent a lot of time up there in, I mean, Toronto and Vancouver, my God, two of the best places in the world. You, know, you got to come to Montreal. Well, I did, but I spent the whole time at Super Sexy. I never That's <laughs> like the entire time. Oh, man. Unbelievable. Yeah, I hear they have I, a good I, buffet I there. It's a chill. It's just a, it's a much chiller, and there's just no, no judgment, man. Like, and and I, I, I stress that on anything your listeners are listening to, man. Like, Dude, we're all messed up. Hey, mm-hmm. none of us got no place to judge anybody. And like, just chill out and love some people, man. Like, that's why I do well on TV. It's why I do well in business, man. Like, it's like, man, I'm lucky to have a job. I'm lucky people want to listen to me. And I'm sure as hell not going to judge you for any of your stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great, man. Well, th- thank you so much for coming on. And when the show airs, we got to have you back on to talk about some of love these because I want to watch it. Do it, man. I can announce in, uh, in, in late summer, I can announce all the stuff. But you mm-hmm. got, I'm going to, I'd love to, you know, put this out on my Facebook page at all, and when it comes out too. So just stay in touch and we'll, we'll keep everybody connected. Yeah, definitely, man. Thanks again. Fantastic. This part of the show is brought to you by Phoenix Shaving, makers of the most excellent aftershaves, shaving soaps, and all things traditional man. One of my favorite products of theirs are their aftershaves. Phoenix Shaving intentionally blurs the lines between traditional aftershave and classic cologne. Each batch of aftershave cologne is created by using traditional perfuming methods, giving the wearer a high dose of quality skin food matched by the staying power of berry white. Now I tell you this stuff is amazing. It'll it'll make your skin feel great after a shave and the alum and menthol just removes all irritation and razor bumps. Um, they have classic barber scents and even more creative soap and aftershave fragrances. Like my favorite is the tombstone scent. It smells like leather, tobacco, and gunpowder. Pretty unique. So ditch those vials of chemicals you buy at the drugstore every month and grab some artisan soap and aftershaves from Phoenix Shaving. Go to gentlemanscofflaw.com slash shave to help support the show and get some fantastic manly grooming products. Phoenix Shaving. Shaving outside the box. All right. Um, coming to a close here. Um, another great interview. Uh, Matt Paxton, hilarious guy. Uh, check him out if you haven't already. Um, we'd like to give a shout out to Rezbot. That's R-E-Z-Z-B-O-T. Um, it's an app in the Apple App Store or on your Android device. Uh, I don't know if you guys know this, guys. This week, the Gentleman's Golf Law Podcast is a featured artist on the app. So if you download wow. Rezbot, and it's wow. actually a pretty cool app. It's like a, it's, it helps, uh, you know, people like us you know, storytellers, 
uh, creatives, anybody who needs a resume, really, uh, tell their story. <laughs> tell their story in a in a, you know a, a professional manner. So if you need to put together a resume, check that out. It's super cool. It's like a it's it is a it's a resbot. It's a resume bot. It walks you through the process. You fill it out, and at the end, you have a resume you can send to someone, which is kind of cool. Not a sex bot. <laughs> Not Working a sex bot. is good because money is fine. and uh also we're about to start a new segment with everyone's uh favorite therapist on our show eric anderson um we're gonna do a dear therapist segment kind of like the dear abby segment so if you have anything you want to ask a therapist anonymously um or Anonymously. Yeah, anonymously. <laughs> you could, you could uh, send an email to gentlemanscofflaw at gmail.com or leave a voicemail at man81scoff, and uh, your question will be read or played in uh, future segments with Eric. So uh, just go ahead and send that away. And this week we are giving away a Phoenix aftershave and cologne um, on Instagram. So go to Instagram.com slash gentscofflaw. For your chance to win a Cavendish aftershave and cologne, so it smells like smells like pipe tobacco, guys. Mm. So if you always wanted to to you know put on an aftershave that smells like you're smoking a pipe, you know smoking a pipe in a den, you know reading a book, you know it makes you know you know what the thing is with that, it'll make women think of their grandfather in a good way, I think, right? In like a way that feels like home. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're very, right? very, is very Bill Cosby a grandfather? <laughs> oh gosh! Uh, oh, Bill Cosby in the aftershave and the Cavendish and no water. All right. And on that note, <laughs> John, you are a gentleman in a scofflaw, my yeah. friend. Donovan, you are a gentleman in a scofflaw, my friend. And you as well. All right. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. This has been the Gentleman Scofflaw Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher. Visit us on the interwebs at gentlemanscofflaw.com. Captain says, his ass on the river. We ain't getting home if we don't break through. So damn cold, I can't help but shiver. Rise and shine, we got work to do. Hey!